1: So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show.
0: Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of about 20 years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. And
1: this is Phil Stevens, strength coach, runner of Strength Guild, a power lifter of about 20 years. <laughs> Highland Games athlete, uh, did strong by did a little bit of everything.
2: So, right on. Hey, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson, creator of the Flex Diet Certification, uh, associate professor of the Kerr Institute, and teaching again for Rocky Mountain University this quarter, of course, online. Yep. yep. There you go. Aren't we all, to some extent? Yeah, yep. everybody is right? Yeah. They're all joining in. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
0: We're doing what we can with plexiglass and stuff, and I see students in some courses as little as once a week, but... Um, yeah, some of the faculty at, at my school—they did applications. They're all online all the time. They're like, "I'm not even doing this," you know. But I wanted to be there at least once a week for, yeah. especially for the freshmen and stuff, you know. But yeah, it's uh, Mike's way is becoming everybody's way now. Yeah, you know. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's kind of weird, and as as you guys all know, when you transition to teaching online, I mean, I taught in person for a while. It's it's just different, mm-hmm. you know. Not good or bad there's pros and cons to it but it's i don't know it's to me it's still quite different i've been doing it for many years <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and um everybody we're going to check in with phil mostly this episode because um before we hit the record button he was telling us a little bit about how uh, was it nationals that was going differently and plexiglass yep. everywhere and <laughs> yep uh I promised last week to follow up on two things before we just, Phil takes the wheel here. Strength and Muscle Sport News. One was, uh, if you tuned in last week, anybody, Mike and I were talking about a study that came out, uh, done, primarily done, what, Texas A&M, I think, uh, about different sex spotters. Uh, and the conclusion, at least one of them, was it, depending on which estimation equation you use because they were just predicting mostly as as far as i could tell one rep max but the female lifters produced higher one rep max so higher max performance when spotted by a male compared to a female and i just wanted to ask phil because phil's got the in the trenches experience here what do you see with opposite sex spotters phil does it affect performance at all
1: god in my gym i don't think it does And that's you just hit me this question a few minutes ago, but from I don't see a big difference in that. I tell you what I see the big difference is in is the level, the athletic level of the person spotting them. Oh, generally, if if one of my higher level lifters, be they female or male, is spotting a person, let's say a newer person. They tend to do better with the, with the motivation of the higher-level athlete. Like, oh, mm-hmm. they're helping me. <laughs> oh, I better get on my game type of thing. Probably, um, yeah. That's what I see more. It's, it's, they, they step it up for somebody that's, that they look up to, if, if that's what it is probably. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than, a, than a, a gender bias. But we also teach everybody right away to spot. So it's very normal for men, women, kids, whatever, to be spotting everybody else. So... Okay. uh i could see it maybe if you were in a in a situation where it's normally like one person like coach is always spotting and then <laughs> the girl in the globo gym you have the hots for you get her to spot you you're like, oh, oh yeah i better show her what i got <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> show off type of thing or, or vice versa yeah but yeah we don't have to deal with a lot of that in our place so you
0: know you um <laughs> You have so many women, though. I, it's not like it's a yeah, rarity just... to have the
1: girl come spot you, you know? <laughs> nope. It's very normal. So... Yeah, it's not rare at all. So, I mean, it, you know, I guess maybe if I got a new guy in and it's like day two and, oh, I'm getting spotted by a girl, you know, it yeah. might negatively or positively affect him. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. it gets normal real fast. So,
2: right. But the girl could probably outlift him, too. It,
1: that's very true. <laughs> that's, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I see what you're saying about experience level. I mean, I suppose if – I mean, even though you've known him for years, if Ed Cohn was spotting you, Phil, you'd probably want to show some respect and, oh, and yeah. turn it up a notch that, maybe.
1: The bad thing is we were talking about this the other day. He always red lights me. Ed, like – I'm almost guaranteed a red light from Ed Cohn. I've competed <laughs> in front of him like ten times, and he always red lights me and apologizes after Wow. So you don't have to apologize. I'm the one that messed up, Ed. Right. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, you don't want him blowing sunshine
1: and rainbows at you, you know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yep. But, no, it's true. I mean, yeah, you get somebody you're looking up to. Yeah, like if I was all of a sudden, Ed's like, I'm going to spot you on your bench. I'm going to try really hard.
0: Yeah, you, <laughs> you are. <know? laughs>
1: so. Yeah, but. makes sense.
0: Um, there was one other thing that I promised last week uh, Before we just check in with Phil's travels And deep in the world of powerlifting And yeah. Jim Wendler and his football obsession And all this stuff uh, We touched on briefly a, a study that actually Mike and I did with some students uh, And it's, it's in Current Developments in Nutrition It just came out midsummer, But it was about caffeine intake um, just through diet logs and whether or not basically it wrecked people's autonomic drive. You know, did it did it mess with their fight or flight, you know, sympathetic drive versus parasympathetic and all that? Um, I don't know if you have that in front of you, Mike, or you yeah. re- remember so
2: the formal title is caffeine intake does not negatively affect heart rate variability in physically active university students preliminary findings. And so they looked at around about 24 people, ages 18 to 25, uh, didn't really have any other you know, conditions, generally healthy. Um, used the iFleet system, which you can run off of an app and just a standard heart rate um, strap now. And the results were that average caffeine intake did not significantly correlate with average heart rate variability. So comparison of caffeine intake with individual day heart rate variability measures were similarly weakly positive and non-significant, with the exception of the final day of recording. And so in English, what all this means is that we know caffeine, especially in coffee, can be a nervous system stimulant. But if you're looking at uh, changes in autonomic tone, uh, the association between Coffee and HRV at least was not really significant in this study. Now again, we're not necessarily looking at it. Um, I guess you could say super acute per se because right. it was done over multiple days, and then you're also looking at you know pretty healthy young individuals also. So it may be different in other populations. Obviously, the dose at some point is is going to matter. But my gut feeling is that I think. In healthy individuals, especially people with good aerobic systems and not any other issues, they can probably buffer even coffee and caffeine intake and not see it has be a completely negative stressor on their autonomic nervous system. But again, you know, dose at some point is going to matter, too. If you're yeah. sucking down eight, you know, cups of coffee every day and sleeping on four hours and everything else and unhealthy, you know, that's a completely different world that we didn't look at in the study. Yeah.
0: I I think um well uh, we really needed Mike as one of the senior authors on this right because there's a here's some gold nuggets for everybody I mean takeaways is yes acutely caffeine's going to stimulate you right your sympathetic drive a little bit you raise yep. raise epi and norepi in your body I mean we've looked at that ourselves in fact it was a little bit higher in women women were responding a little bit more even when adjusted for body mass and all that kind of stuff but yeah, I guess I was interested that, you know, a lot of people, Phil does it, I do it, Mike, you do it, almost everybody I know, either coffee or uh, energy drinks or something, you know, sometimes you get in periods of several weeks at a time where you're regularly consuming this stuff, you know, and the idea is, is there any background agitation that you just don't need, you know, with the harm recovery or whatever, lead to overtraining maybe, um, and Mike, you've said over the years that... um uh, couple of things. One, you, like, like you'll say that alcohol tends to wreck HRV, you know, yeah. or or many days of no sleep, not just one or two. But if you're if you keep abusing yourself with no sleep, you'll see HRV really go down and and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I just wanted to see if because this is just caffeine. Most of the stuff we've been doing, of course, is coffee, coffee all the time. But this is coffee, energy drinks, pre workouts, pills, powders, don't care yeah like, any form yeah and it just wasn't um it wasn't hurting these these young athletes, but you know they're they're pretty robust, kind of to your point, Mike you know um,
2: yeah, and if you get further into the weeds too, and you start looking at potential sources of caffeine, so some of the different studies that were done looking at coffee as a source of caffeine, you get kind of a weird biphasic response if you're doing h r v acutely. So, say we give you a big cup of coffee and then we start measuring your h r v immediately after that um for a short period of time, you can actually become a little bit more parasympathetic. Mm-hmm. Most people at a high enough dose do become much more sympathetic or stressed. Again, this is acutely like a one- off measurement. The downside with coffee is that you've like you mentioned, Lonnie, everybody has their own kind of associations with it. If you're someone who drinks coffee before you go to the gym, I would guess that you're probably going to be a little bit more on the sympathetic side. If you're someone who likes to hang out on Sunday mornings and relax and have a cup of coffee, just because of all the neural associations with it and the smell and the taste and the texture, all those things, you maybe more on the parasympathetic side even if we try to equate for the amount of caffeine in it Mm -hmm. so once you start looking at other sources of it in different time points uh, you can see some different results Uh, i just said years ago looking at caffeine related to energy drinks and in general we found that oddly enough, it didn't seem to alter heart rate variability, but we did see a bump in resting heart rate, which was kind of surprising. Mm. Um, So it's not as – because people are probably like, "Why are you studying caffeine and HRV? Of course it's going to wreck it at some point. But Mm -hmm. mm, like most things, it's not quite that simple.
0: (laughs) I'm glad that you brought that up because I actually – I'm going to talk to you off air about some of that stuff because, of course, we have – this was setting the stage because we have a a nice data set. Uh, looking at medium high doses of caffeine, and what happened to their their sympathetic drive right their fight or flight nervous system activity was the opposite of what i expected and mm-hmm. so i 'm eager i i i can 't let the cat out of the bag too much with that, but just to give everybody some background, you know you build, research builds on itself we scaffold it so We've established that chronically, and, you know, when you do a th- even a three- or four-day diet record, the idea is it's supposed to be, be a indication of your chronic intake, you know, your ongoing, that's how your diet is, you know, we assume that. Uh, and it didn't do anything there, so now we're going to go look more acutely with a specific kind of coffee, and, you know, obviously coffee's not just liquid caffeine and all that, so. Um, the other gold nugget, if anybody does use heart rate variability as a marker of overtraining and whatnot, something that I really picked up from Mike. I mean, it's just helpful to have someone with engineering background is that sort of metronomic breathing that you have to do. It really made me question the stuff that you might see. That's much more indirect for like an Apple watch or something like that, because this app, you actually inhale and exhale very rhythmically because that affects your heart rate variability. Um, And so, you know, I thought that was valuable input that listeners might, benefit from, too. Like, if you're going to do HRV, you got to do that right. There are certain control variables you just have to account for, you
2: know. Yeah, and a lot of the watches, I'm not entirely convinced yet that the optical location off a watch, because there's a little light in the back, and they've changed the algorithms now. They're going to different colored lights and a bunch of other stuff, but I'm not convinced that for HRV, they're super accurate yet. I mean, I think they'll get you in the ballpark, and they'll definitely give you a number but I'm not convinced at this point it's going to be super accurate, but that may yeah. change in the future. Yeah,
0: I hope it does. I'm I'm waiting for – once watches can do some things like realistically predict – I don't think they're going to directly sample, but somehow predict different blood variables like blood glucose or yep. something from sweat or interstitial fluid, then I'm in. Until then, uh, I'm not in, so <laughs> –
2: yeah and that's how continuous glucose monitors do it right and I've had one put on my tricep for quite a while. I've stuck one on my wife on her left tricep and her right tricep to compare them <laughs> see how close it was. <laughs> but that's actually looking at interstitial glucose. It's just this little tiny horsehail needle that goes in and does a sample every few minutes <clears throat> and it's super interesting. You can get some you know fascinating data from that to see kind of the variability in what you respond to in different conditions
0: yeah. Yeah, that's what I want to go with next because uh, I'm doing brain comparison with little handheld finger prick glucometers, and I'm not yep. convinced that they're, they're much, much above suck.
2: <laughs> yeah, so, they're, they're variable. Yeah. And then if you compare continuous glucose monitor to a finger prick, you actually get into the whole dynamics of it. It's a little bit different because you're sampling blood versus interstitial yes. fluid, and you've got two different systems mm. and the lot number of the strips of where they were made. And yep, yep. It gets messy.
0: I've actually – I got IRB approval to use the, you know, um, the continuous, the CGM stuff, continuous glucose monitoring. But, uh, yeah, I want to move in that direction for sure. It's just compliance is better. Everything's just going to be better. Not to mention you get, like, two weeks' worth of data, you know, which is just juicy. Anyway, I I promise we wouldn't go off the deep end with the science, though. So (laughs) last, before we go to break, and then we we check in with Phil in the world of powerlifting – A couple of Iron Radio housekeeping bits. The fall funds drive is going to come up soon. I'm just going to give everybody a warning. We don't pester you year-round. I mean, we're public-supported. So the fall is when we start to roll that stuff out. Usually it's just a comment or two from me or a mid-show, like a little reminder sort of thing that you guys keep us running. And I, I try in the show notes to cycle through you know, the hardcore supporters. And so that's what pays for the server. That's why you can hear us right now. That kind of thing. Also, oh my God, it's episode 591. We are coming up on episode mm. 600, 600. Um, that's crazy. And, um, Phil had some nice, um, uh, iron radio t-shirts and we were given away at the Arnold this year. But that was very weird and sort of like – it was like this half-life, like the zombified. Like there was some people <sighs> milling around and there were some events <laughs> going on. And Phil and his crew are like, you know, shoving T-shirts on people and stuff. Yeah. But I still have a bunch. And so if you want that sort of one-off, it's almost like a little historical marker. You know, the year that the Arnold yeah. was crazy, um, was limping along. Uh, I think we'll just start giving those away. I, I I thought what we might do is if you make a, a iTunes review uh and a comment on one of our taste tests on YouTube, do one of each of those and then just say something on our Facebook page or, or fire us an email through ironradio.org, I'll send you a t-shirt. I mean, <laughs> we've got them. You know, might as well spread the wealth. So I it's it's not so much a contest as it is, you know, just honor system. Verify that you made an iTunes review and a comment on on uh, YouTube taste test, where we have comments open. Uh, yeah, and we'll give you a T-shirt. So, little way to celebrate episode 600. There you go. All right, let's go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk Jim Wendler and powerlifting and Phil's uh, athletes kicking butt.
1: Hello there ladies and gentlemen. yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text the uh, Keto eBook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now.
0: Okay, listeners, after more than a decade of joining us on the podcast Airwaves, you can now also become viewers on YouTube. This is not our usual simple backup of the audio show, but rather a growing body of video taste tests covering various foods of interest to nutrition enthusiasts, bodybuilders, and powerlifters. From within YouTube, simply search for Iron Radio Taste Test or Nutrition Radio Taste Test. In about 15 minutes, we cover taste and texture, similar to other products, uh, usefulness to the co-hosts, and whether we would recommend the product to certain clients. You may even want to watch our podcast feed or Facebook group for which products are coming down the pike so you can taste test them with us. Join us for this new monthly project. like your weekly fix of iron radio in addition to being a popular institute on itunes we are also on email simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email you'll get a once per week email no more that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it.
1: Okay, we're back, and I'm glad to be back. It's been a crazy month, so I've been like Mike. M- Mike's been like me, it seems like. Yeah, we traded worlds. <laughs> <laughs> I was traveling every weekend for a month. I logged like 100 and some hours behind the windshield. Jesus. Um, yeah, it was bad. But, uh, no, last weekend I had the pleasure to... Uh, head down to Columbus and in doing so we were going there for nationals and I've always wanted to catch one of Wendler's football games on a Friday night so decided to head down early and do that and yeah I mean it was a little weird we had to like they had just I had to go on the sidelines as a coach uh because like the fans are very limited right now they're like selling tickets online to high school football games and things like that which I don't know that may be normal in you know Ohio anyways just because it's you know, footballs a religion like Texas, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was different, and like, the crowds were very limited. And no, it was just a pleasure to see. Like the one thing that stuck out to me was because Jim always talks about it, and it's one thing for somebody to always talk about something, but you want to see it. How his guys, you know, basically he always talks about the way to win a football game is to bring your average guys up over their average guys. It's like, don't worry about your stars. You know, your starters are always going to be stars. Um, But if you can bring your average up, basically over their average, you're going to win. And it was was pretty evident. You know, we started out the first quarter and things were pretty even, kind of a stalemate going on. Both sides of kids kicking each other's butts. And then you could tell about halfway through the second quarter, the other team was just done. They were just done getting beat up. And uh, it was funny because, uh, you know, the London team, which Jim helps, strength coach. They literally don't line up. They line up, and nobody is outside the tackle. They just show you, look, okay, we're running it right here. So go ahead and try and stop us. And they just run it right up the gut, and they were just mowing them down. Hmm. Um, Numerous quarterback sneaks for nine yards plus. Uh, You know, and that's usually a play where you'll get a yard or two. You know, it's fourth and one. We're going to go for a quarterback sneak. No, they they bust it out for nine or ten. Nice. Um, So. So I mean, it was just very evident, and then you saw the kids. Then, of course, fed off that, you know, uh, we're killing them, you know. So then they started getting fired up, and uh, it was a good time. I mean, it was it was good seeing that that come to fruition, and it's just a, uh, you know, talking to them, knowing them. It's from just basic, real basic training. You know, they they dumb everything down uh, to a point, and uh, they don't make it super complicated. Um, don't overrun the kids. Don't do any of that. And, uh, just make them stronger. I mean, these kids were, they, they were built and they were strong and then they had the ability to endure it. So, um, conditioning wise, I know he does things a lot different than most people. There's none of the, okay, we're going to go run laps for hours and no two a days. They cut two a days right when he got there. Like we're not doing that. It makes no sense. It just wears them out. Um, all running's done at like 70, 80%. Uh, but they do it over and over again, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that w- that was good to see. And then, I mean, there was a bunch of other stuff me and Jim got into that probably shouldn't be said on the air. But <laughs> it was just good catching up. It was good catching up. Tried to make it over to lead FTS, but I forgot we lose an hour when I'm driving to Ohio. Yes. So, yeah, all of a sudden we are an hour late. But um, so it didn't make it over there. But then next day, you know, the big thing I had going on is uh, one of my kids qualified for nationals. And uh, props out to this kid. I couldn't have done what he did. So he had a game. So I'm watching Wendler's football game. He was playing a football game in Kansas while I'm watching Wendler's game the night before he has to lift. And he plays at a small school, much like Jim's team in London. Uh, it's the Rossville Bulldogs. And he, so he plays both ways, plays fullback and linebacker. And they, his coach played him for three and a half quarters. In this football game. So he's running every down and then, okay, time to switch teams. And he's chasing people down that are running the next, you know, the other half of the time. Did that till like 10 o'clock at night. Uh, They didn't hit the road till almost midnight. And he had to somehow make it to Columbus, Ohio in eight and a half hours. And it's about 11 and a half hour drive. They made it barely. So he got out of his car by 845. We had to start warming up at 915. (laughs) <laughs> so, Jeez. Uh, yeah so that was that was the start of it but uh it, it was in the same hall that uh is in the greater columbus convention center so same place the arnold's held um so the big venue they had uh what was this 300 or 600 lifters a days for four days so i mean it was a big one and um number one thing you notice everybody wearing masks of course except for the security guards which was weird um, but then you walk in the room. They had it. They had it divided out. Uh, your your warm up room. They did a really good job, and I th- actually think they need to do this from here on out. Um, they just didn't allow you. They called like, okay, flight B can go in the warm up room now. Um, normally it's a flight B should start warming up. They kind of give you a warning, like you were not allowed in there unless you were supposed to be, which kept it cleaned out. You know, you weren't easier. you weren't. Yeah, you weren't tripping over each other and. Uh, you had your time to be in there, and then if you weren't, you had to get the hell out, and they came and checked. And everybody had, like I had a coach's badge that, that said my flight, like I'm I'm day two flight B on the blue platform. So uh, I was allowed to be in there at that time, and it, it cleared everything out real well. Um, the odd thing was uh, they built a, like in this huge convention center, somebody took the time to build a giant like 100 foot by 30 feet tall plexiglass wall oh my god that yeah, was big um and uh that's where the spectators got to be was behind the plexiglass uh so i mean it was you could see it and then they had if you were a parent or something they had a small section up front that you could come into only while your lifter was there um but general spectators behind the plexiglass and uh your lifters even as a lifter you're you're masked up until you're on the platform. They allowed to take them off for the lifts. Um, you put, put your mask back on, but, uh, it went well. Caden killed it. He came out and I think nerves got to him and probably had a car drive at hundred miles an hour for nine hours. Um, but, uh, came in, missed his first squat, got called on depth. And that was our plan was opener world record then see what was there. Um, so we went ahead and stuck with that again. He killed that and then he came back and did, he crushed the world record. That was his easiest squat of the day, it was his third. So we're talking about a hundred and sixty five pound seventeen year old. He squatted four fifty nine, I think it was. Oof. So he's nice. belt and wraps. So did that. Um, we knew the bench was out of his reach right now. He's just not a big benching kid. Uh, the record's two seventy five for 165 pounds, 17-year-old, and he ended up at two two 245, 255. Respectable. I to look back. Yeah. Wow. yeah, we weren't too worried about it. What we needed, what we knew we needed was more than 220 to go with his deadlift to break the total uh, world record. So we got that on our first and just moved from there, hit his second, and then didn't get his third. Um, then it was on to deadlift and ended up with a 4 445 I think so which was another another world record and and tied up the world record total so all in all good day I saw your usual stuff at powerlifting meets that one would not expect to see at a nationals Um, there was one guy in the back room had a kid with him that his shirt said personal trainer apparently this was his coach they literally warmed up to 10 kilos past his third attempt What (laughs) in the warm-up room? (laughs) Yeah, because I see him struggle with this. I was like, oh boy, and then I'm watching him because he's lifting before my guy, and like his last attempt was ten kilos less than what he hit in the back room. So a lot of weird stuff like that. It's like know the rules, know your attempts, and uh, you know lots of lots of missed lifts from going too heavy. I don't know what it is. I mean, I've said it a million times and i know every coach that knows anything has said it you know that many times as well it's three lifts get your opener you, you know you should open with something that's very easy to do confidence get, yeah get your confidence behind you yeah. yeah and that's like i mean a lot of people say what i do lift something that you can hit for a triple on a bad day wise you know you know you're gonna get it you know if i come down with you know magic johnson aids and cancer the night before <laughs> i'm still gonna get it you know, probably not the bad aids, but if I get the good aids, I got it. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, there was that, and you know, we just had a. It was a, generally a good time, and you're seeing it's good to see. <sighs> there's are starting to be some events again. They're different, but it's nice to see them again. Because um, normally, I'd I'd be gearing up right now for my winter meet, and I just have no idea where I'm going to lift. So I'm not planning one until until I have somewhere to go that's that's worthwhile. So, but we're starting to see some come down the pipes and, uh, hopefully I'll sit back and watch and try and plan one for for myself. But, um, the other thing that we ended up talking about was training and the longevity of lifters comparatively today than there was yesteryear, if you will, like we were talking about before the show, you got people like Ed Cohn, and people like Wendler, and people like, oh, sh- Kirk Kowalski, and you look back in that, at that era, and lifters generally had a 10 plus year competitive span, mm-hmm. uh, where they're, and you can see the, you know, they always started out, their, their competitive career generally started well. Um, they didn't start in it until they were okay, and then, so they've been training for, we don't we don't know, but, I mean, I'm, I'm expecting five-plus years before they even stepped on the platform. Uh, and then they get another 10 years out of it where they're competing at a high level. I'm not talking just competing, but competing at a high level. And now we see it a lot of the time. It's all of a sudden some kid comes on the scene, and they're like, oh, my God, he's going to be the next great thing. And then a year and a half, two years later, he's not like, what happened to Joe? You know, where's he at? and they're wrecked and i think a lot of it has to do with um you know i'm not blaming this on crossfit i'm just using this as an example uh, it's that mentality and it's a mentality we were pushed too i mean at, at certain points of an in early age of every workout needs to you know, basically if you're not bleeding and sucking wind you didn't have a good workout um and that's not sustainable i mean and that's it's, it's the same thing with like we talked about at the beginning of this segment with, with Windler's powerlifting team, uh, if you back it off a little bit and start looking at next year, you know, instead of tomorrow or five years from now or 10 years from now and make that your goal and not need everything tomorrow, you generally end up making it further and you have less dings and dents. Like I can pack, I can take one of my lifters and say, we're going to get here in six months where I'd normally plan to go in a year. Uh, Put at what cost? You know, and that's what we're seeing a lot of. You're seeing a lot of people getting tore down real early. And I'm even seeing the strongman. You know, I follow several strongman groups, and we're having a big push in my gym going for a strongman. All these people just come in. They, do, they don't want to put the time in. They have this idea and this love of, I want to be great at this sport, but they want it tomorrow. And don't realize that if you look back, these people took 10 and 20 years to get there. Strategy. Yeah, well, career. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're trying to pack all this work in and get there tomorrow. And what ends up happening is, you know, you can only – I've got a little Ford Focus that I drive that – it's my little gas, you know, mileage car. Mm -hmm. And if I go out there and I hammer that pedal down, yeah, it's going to (laughs) go for how long. We're not that much different. When you break it down, we're a complex machine with a bunch of parts, and those parts blow up, especially if you redline it all the time. And yep. we're seeing that a lot, man. And, uh, it, it's kind of sad. And that's, that's one difference. Luckily my lifters were talking to me about it. They're like, yeah, you take a, you know, your approach is just different than they're used to, which is sad to me because that means everybody else is, you know, pushing this style of training. Right. And the one thing I'm most proud of, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hugely proud about all the records we've broken and all my kids breaking world records and my people and things like that. And Brian being the fifth man to squat and death of 900 and the same meat, but I'm also more proud. Like we've had no injuries, no bad injuries. <laughs> I mean, no career ending injuries. Mm-hmm. We've had dings and dents. That's going to happen in any sport. Um, my hamstrings kind of, you know, I got a twiggle or whatever you want to call it in your hamstring, but you know, Twiggled. we've had, I'm no, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know why it's like people don't mind just getting wrecked. Um, and that's hell i'm wrecked but it's from 20 plus years of competing yeah you're yeah. gonna you're gonna get there don't you don't need to rush it <laughs> you know yeah you know phil so. um I, I don't know if this
0: is true across all sports but in muscle sports it 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 is so true i mean think about not just the like the abusive workouts you know um in fact one thing i learned from you i think talking to you and rob about powerlifting was Sometimes you walk away with a little left in the tank, you know that's oh, yeah. okay. Um, but whereas bodybuilders are more prone to, you know, destroy. You know, you, they just do everything <laughs> until they're completely gassed. But if you th- think about like uh, not just training, but like the popularity of some of these diets that don't really provide the nutrients for career longevity, like the, if it fits yeah. your macros, you know, oh yeah. screw uh, you know micronutrition of any kind, you know, just. Yeah. Or multi-gram use among, you know, adult lifters of anabolics and stuff. It's all like you said. It's like, I'm going to just, I'd rather burn out than fade away. You know, it's like, yes. but, but there's something yes. to be said for career longevity, isn't there? Because there is. there especially is. in a sport where you should be peaking in your late 30s, I think.
1: Yes. Anyway. And that's, that's it's also, I mean, you look at that and I'm... Uh, you see a guy that comes up and squats a 1,000-pound once. That's neat. But let's look at a guy who's the, like Andre Malenica. Dude has hit, like, a 1,000-pound squat, like, I don't know how many times now. 40 meets, you know, yeah, whatever countless. it is. Yeah. Now, that's impressive. You know, he wasn't able to just do it. He did it again and again and again and again and again. And, you know, you'll see him like, okay, five more pounds. Now we're going for 1,027, you know. And there's something impressive about that to me. You know, somebody that's been doing it. And I mean, not to toot my own horn. I mean, I was talking about this the other day. I have pulled no less than 700 for 13 years in a meet. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of abuse over time, too. But I mean, and I've changed my training style. And that's uh, the tough part is, I think early on. I still don't know if there we have to. at some point it's hard to if you don't know where your red line is, it's hard to know how far you can push it. If that makes sense. You know, like if you never take a person and push them to their limit uh or at least their perceived limit, do they know what 80% is? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a tough one. And that's but I mean, but then at the same time it's also realizing that Somebody beginning shouldn't train like me, you know, somebody that is what what Dave Tate say that, you know, shit suck, mediocre elite. You know, if you're shit, (laughs) if you're just, if your weak point is you, we could probably push you a lot harder. Your potential to damage yourself aside from funky form issues is is much different. Like if you're max squat, if you're a grown dude, even a 17 year old kid and your max squats one eighty five. Compared to my kid that just went here, and his max squat is 459, um, we can push the volume and the intensity up quite a bit higher, and not have to worry about massive tissue and joint damage. Aside from if your form's just horrible, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I think I think we need to push them a little bit when they're younger, and then realize that as I get stronger, I just can't do that anymore. You know, I can't take Brian or Dow that are squatting 900. Okay, we're going to freaking do 50 reps at 70%. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. But some people are still trying that because they're thinking this, <sighs> they need to kick their butts in the dirt to make progress. And at that that level, I think the intensity drives progress a little bit. Uh, and that's where you get at with, like you said, the difference between powerlifting and and uh bodybuilding mm-hmm. you can build a lot of tissue without having to go to a 900 pound squat it's just not needed yeah i don't think it's needed at all mm-hmm. you know i i can't tell you if there's a like ronnie coleman did what 800 for a triple or whatever it was but i never saw him squat 900 did he need to no he was freaking huge yeah. you know yeah. he probably yeah. didn't need to do 800 for three you know so i think he just liked lifting heavy that's a, we listened to that on the on the way to uh, ohio we listened to his uh interview with rogan oh yeah how he still says he, yeah his one regret is you know not taking that 800 for like two more reps but <laughs> <laughs> interesting so crazy but i mean the point is in strength sports you know byproduct of the sport we have to go heavy you just have to at some What's point the goal yeah, that, that is the whole sport. <laughs> you know? So if you don't like that, don't get into the sport. And it's also crossing the, this place with yourself that know that most likely I'm tearing myself up. Like I was talking about this with a lifter yesterday. Like me squatting and deadlifting 700 pounds consistently. I'm not stupid enough to think it's not doing something bad to me. You know, it's not for my health at this point. Yeah. You know, I know. But what I'm trying to do is minimize the damage done. You know, minimize the long-lasting damage done. Um, you know, I know my spine's taking a beating, my hips are taking a beating, my knees are taking a beating. So why am I going to grind myself in the dirt when I can I'd, – I'd rather find the – maybe close to the minimal effective dose to make progress. Mm-hmm. And let's drag that out, especially once you start getting into the intermediate and elite stages. You know, let's try – let's slow it down. Let's minimize these injuries. Let's, you know – Let's just still make progress. You know, that's the goal. But if we start talking, you know, I want to go from uh, 950 deadlift to 1,000 in 12 weeks. Oh. Mm-hmm. The, the things in the pharmaceuticals that's going to take are probably going to take a really, really big toll on your you, – you're going to do years of damage in 12 weeks. You know, and then where are you at? Because you rush this forward. Mm-hmm. When if we slow this down, they make it a three-year goal. Now, hopefully, we can minimize the damage it took. Um, but it's, it's part of society. Everything now is, is next second. Our news, our food, our everything we want in five seconds. So, And that's where, to me, I have more respect for the person who's been doing it at a very high level for years than the person who just showed up very high level and then they're gone. Aside from the freak accident. you know, there's, there, That's going to happen. You know, I mean, who was, uh, Bo Jackson, you know, it's sad that he didn't have a longer career, you know, but, uh, you know, crazy things happen. It wasn't in his, in the cards, but Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, we talk about a lot. So, I mean, ways around it. And if you, if you just allow yourself to slow down and enjoy the ride and become a lifer, you know, you don't have to have it tomorrow. Um, and the realization that I can probably make it further than I ever expected if I just slow those goals down, even if you push them back a year, you know, and just consistently consistently keep, keep kicking your own butt, and all of a sudden what happens is you're kicking other people's butts, so... Yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a tough one.
0: There's something so, to be said for being that, you know, almost like Conan the King on the throne. You know, you're you you got some gray in your beard and you're still an animal, you know. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just broken. It's easy for a 20-year-old to be like, "I want to burn out and then fade away." Listen, in all likelihood, <laughs> take this from someone who's 50 plus. I can't believe I'm saying that, but it's, yeah. you don't want to just degrade fall apart into like this you know sloppy beanbag chair of weakness you know at yeah. once you're you know 50 or 60 years old
2: yeah. you're gonna
0: you're gonna have a little you're gonna be glad that you did have some eye toward injury prevention i mean eddie Cohn, yeah. right even when he was younger he, that, that was wasn't that his like big thing like don't blow something out don't yes have a catastrophic yeah. injury
1: and that's what like he talked about you just he's like one of his big things is you only have so many max attempts in your life. Only take them on the platform. (laughs) You know, he just do not take maxes in the gym is one of his big things. It's like only take them on, like go on the platform and do it where it counts. Wow. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it really does. And now I think social media is a big pusher of this. I've seen a lot of lifters ruined from that. They get in this, they get in this, culture of needing to post so they're doing things they're doing things just for that and it happens every day then they get caught up in this culture well i need to post another video of something amazing so they're always trying to do something amazing yeah and uh and then they're just hurt it's it's just bad <laughs> you know and it doesn't count there nobody uh, tomorrow people won't remember that well maybe tomorrow but next week by next week that lift you put on YouTube is buried by 7 million other lifts. Next week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not going to be, nobody's going to remember it. But if it's on the record, it's on a platform that gets remembered, you know, it's in the books, you know, it's written somewhere that's more concrete mm-hmm. and you had aside from this weekend at nationals, you probably had at least 50 or a hundred people there to witness it. Not, you weren't in your garage with a camera. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so you'll have memories built from watching you do that um yeah and that's like me at this point i mean like ronnie coleman's interview really struck me and i mean i was talking about this with my wife and some lifters like my wife my wife and i talked after my hip and my hamstring about me stopping lifting like heavy i'll never stop lifting and i tried it for like two years and then she's like you got to go back you gotta get back you're impossible so just miserable <laughs> Yeah, and I love it too much. And at this point, I kind of know that I'll probably just do this forever, as long as I'm allowed, because I just love lifting heavy. As long as this flesh bag will allow me to go in there and try and squat six, seven, eight hundred pounds, I'm going to do it. Um, but at the same time, I've learned a lot, and I know the day is like, like I'm supposed to go in and hit fairly heavy singles a day. But I have no problem if I get to 495, 550, and it ain't right. Yeah, I'm smart enough to walk away. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there's always tomorrow. There's next Saturday. You know, there's uh, hundreds of next Saturdays. I don't need to push it to, I got nothing to prove there. You know, it's if me going for 750 today when it doesn't feel right. is just stupid. You know, I'm not going to, and I'm not even at a meet. I'll do the same thing. Like it's not there. I'm going to hurt myself. I'm not going to push it. I I can do another meet in six months. You know?
2: Yeah. But I think part of that is giving yourself the, the luxury of time. Yeah. You know, like, so for even some of my, you know, top lists with Denny Stone and Inch Dumbbell and stuff, like, I literally gave myself a decade and a half, yeah.
1: you know? <laughs> yeah, yes.
2: One, because I'm starting so incredibly low, and two, I know that my rate of progress is not real fast, even if I do everything correct. And it's just going to take time. And if yeah. I try to rush that, I know I'm going to do stupid things to make an arbitrary timeline. That the reality is no one cares. No one cares. Like nobody cares, really. You know, so I'm just potentially giving myself more stress and increasing the risk of being injured. Yeah.
1: And there's something there's something fascinating and something attractive, like Lonnie said, about being the old Conan. Yeah yeah that dude, that dude's been doing it thirty years. look at him he's still going yeah. you know? yeah. compared to the punk kid that has an ego bigger than my door and comes in and trashes himself and he's gone and everybody's like, god, I'm glad he's gone <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean I don't know it's uh it's just different society's different, and how we were even talking about just powerlifting in general a little off topic here, but just how it's changed and a lot of it is that, if you look at it. A lot of it is that when I used to go to powerlifting meets, when I started, it was a much different scene. But they were all lifers. Yeah. You know, everybody there was like, you could tell they'd been doing this for a lot of them, 20, 30 years. And then the other ones were their students, you know. But it was like, now you can tell, like, oh, yeah, he's here because powerlifting's cool right now. And he'll be gone next year. Uh, it's, it's a different scene. It, 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 there's good and bad to it. I love that powerlifting is much bigger. But there's a lot of it I hate about it. Like Now the injury rate is much higher than it was. The, the amount of people just falling out. The amount of people with potential, like great potential, being pushed in a wrong direction uh, and injured way too early in the, in the sake of a PR is pretty disgusting to me. Like, if you yeah. just held back the throttle a little bit, you could have been great. You know, you could have been that next, because you get a bigger pool of athletes, and now, you know, your potential for, if you have 600 athletes, your potential for five freaks is much higher than if you have 100 athletes. Yeah. You know, you've, you've got a bigger pool of athletes, so that potential of breaking those records is there, if if they get the right tutelage, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're not seeing it. You know, I just, this is my push, I guess, people just slow down, relax and enjoy the ride. Once you start enjoying the ride, you're going to start getting somewhere and hopefully not beat up as much. So,
2: Do you think part of that is just the perception with, it's easy for us old farts to blame social media and everything, but the fact that you have access to people hitting quote PRs in their gym more often but you don't see the cost of that, right? So I've often wondered if new lifters coming up seeing all these people break PRs, but they don't see that their career potentially got ended, they disappeared within a year. They don't see the cost of what's associated with that. I think if you're, you know, like take the world's strongest man, right? You're competing in those events. You see which athletes show up year in and year out, and you kind of know, Who's injured who doesn't make it who washed out you kind of get to see everything to some degree or with just like the pr flashes on instagram it's like oh that person went away i don't even know who that was i don't know what happened
1: yeah (laughs) he did that right yeah i think that's it i think uh, it's like anything social media has good and bad like now we have access we can see the stuff going on and we can get inspired if you use it correctly and then i also can see it in my own athletes like we've we get jaded like, Oh man, I'm so weak comparatively because now you have access and they don't realize that you're stronger than 99% of the population. You're looking at the 0.1%. You know, your, your friends list is the 0.1% of the population (laughs) and you're comparing and you're putting yourself down for that. And, and you're also trying to push yourself to that, that crazy limit. It's easy to get in this tiny fishbowl. Um, and start just comparing yourself to that. And you can, like I said, it can be bad. It can be good. You can use that as, hey, that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, I'm going to use that as motivation and keep keep just chipping away. Or you can get down on yourself. <laughs> I need to push it harder. Jim, Joe, and him both hit 900 squats. <laughs> you know, and I suck. I'm only at 850. You know, Dude, you're at 850. <laughs> you know, settle down. Give it time. You'll be there and pass there. Yeah, so
0: you know, evidence for that—both what, what, what you, you guys are saying this—I think—is the whole concept of, of whatever happened to, right? You didn't used to have that. Nobody's going to say yeah. whatever happened no. to Eddie Cohn. Well, no. what do you mean? He's—you no. know—he is that Conan on the throne. He is King yes. Conan. Everybody still remembers. As opposed to, like you said, a week later, you're buried under right. a thousand other uh, yeah. social media posts. Whatever happened to so and so? You know, that's, to me, evidence that this is happening, right? Because we
1: didn't used to say whatever happened to Frank Zane. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. You know. and that's,
1: yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, that's the deal with longevity. If you want to be remembered, you can't just do it once. You'll remember to be remembered as the guy that did it once and then you're forgotten. Yeah. If you want to be in the history books, you need to be up there for 10 years doing it like, oh, Eddie Cohn broke this and this and this and this and this, you know. Yeah. Multiple weight classes. Yeah, his wiki page reads like, reads like an encyclopedia of strength. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's the people that get... they get If if you want to be Ed Cohn of 2047, you're going to have to slow down and put in a career, you know, because nobody's going to remember the dude that did it once. You know? It's just not. I mean... Not near as much. You're going to be the dude sitting in the bar. I played high school football. I was a star. Oh, right. You know, God. Oh, God. Right. You don't to that guy. You know, no thanks. You know, I squatted 900 at 22 years old. Well, what'd you do after that? Yeah, I was wrecked and I quit. And now I'm job of the hut. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, right, yep. Uh, and that's yeah. true in professional sports, too. I mean, people remember people like Tom Brady and people who yeah. played at a high level for year after you, year after yes. year after year. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, Joe Montana. And yeah.
2: Very uh, right. Yeah.
1: Used to be that type. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the guy. I, I made the game, and
2: then I was gone. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's not saying that football, you need to have it. It's impossible damn near to have a 10-year Oh, NFL. yeah,
2: because you're doing the contact sport.
1: Yes. <laughs> but, you know, so, but, I mean, it's in the same line. So
2: Yeah, same yeah. idea. Yeah, I agree.
0: Especially because in strength sports and and muscle sports, like I said, people peak. Football players don't peak in their mid to late 30s, you no. know.
2: And yeah. we do if you can yeah. just avoid yeah. the blowout. Yep. Yeah, no one's running at you when you're taking a squat either. Right, yeah. <laughs> <That's> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: No, that's about it. I just wanted to share some of that, and it was good seeing Windler. Congratulations to Caden. It sounds like he's getting a news story done from here too. I want to give a shout oh, out to okay. him. Um, I didn't run into any listeners, I don't think, but I didn't run it. There wasn't a lot of people there again. Yeah, I ran into some people I knew, so they're probably listeners, but uh, a very limited crowd. It was good. It was good to get in the convention center. I hope the Arnold's open this year because I, I want to get it up. Yeah. So, good stuff. Crazy the times. So. I'm back. I'm back until Christmas, guys. So I should be here. So rock on.
2: Perfect. All right. Like.
0: Sounds Have good. Have a good weekend. See you See guys. guys later. Hey, listeners. Have you seen the store at IronRadio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of iron and if you want something about motivation or daily training Fortress's hall has what you're looking for there are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores we try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store and whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced you can take heart that you're not wasting your time the things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations Protein powders that we know to be good, Uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, The stuff you you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening.